Hello everyone, this is Emilio Garcia from Boundify Life. Uh, welcome again to another episode of this uh, series of live streams. I'm really, really happy to have you here today. And uh, today we are going to talk about multilingual and multi-regional sites best practices. Um, I'm really excited about this topic, uh, of course. Um, the idea in general is that we are going to explore how using native language and localized content uh, can help you optimize your site, for, especially for international viewers, while also keeping Google and search results in mind. So you want to have that nice combination of a great user experience and at the same time, keeping in mind what Google and other search engines uh, take a look into. So let's start right away. Um, the first, probably the first thing that comes to mind is what's the difference or um, what do we mean by multilingual or multi-regional sites? So in general, this is the difference. In a multilingual site, you offer the same content, but in more than one language. Um, the idea here is that uh, you are, you know, pretty, pretty much have the same website, but the languages are different. In contrast, in a multilingual regional site, um, you explicitly target users in different countries and geographic locations. So content might not be exactly the same. In that context, multilingual pages are typically easier to make because you only have to translate content to a different language and usually everything else is just the same. In comparison, multi-regional sites often involve more than language translation. Uh, different sites must be culturally relevant and culturally sensitive. So they are a little more complex to implement. Keep in mind that you can have both um, a site that is multilingual and multi-regional. For example, imagine a company that might have both a Canadian and a US version of the site. And within the ca Canadian version, they have available both French and English as language options. So in that scenario, you have them both. Now, what are some of probably the, the first um, question that most um, uh, you know, people that explore marketers are exploring to implement a multilingual or multi-regional website uh, ask, what are the best practices around the URLs? How do you structure the website so it makes sense for the users? and for the search engines. So here are some ideas. Um, first, it's important that, you know, obviously you think you give some thought to this since um, it's important that users can easily understand where the content is coming from. I'll give you an, a quick example. For example, usually the .ca URL um, for Canada uh, can use FR, in its subdomain or subdirectory to indicate French content, right? For example, you can have an example site dot K and then slash FR for France, French, or the other example can be using subdomains. You can have FR dot example site dot CA, right? So those are the possible combinations. In one single URL, you can express both the country and the language. Um, 
and obviously is it's useful to have different URLs for different variations of languages. Um, there are some rules that you can take advantage of that come directly from Google in terms of the expected either subdomains or folders that you should do. Uh, and for example, I mentioned FRR, sorry, for French, um, and I mentioned CA for Canada. But also, for example, you have for Germany, DE, um, and for China, CN. So there's a list uh, that is very easy to get online where you can see the combinations that you can have for both countries and languages. Now, the I mentioned a little bit that the structures matter, and um, you have different possibilities here. You can rely on folders, or you can rely on domains or subdomains to structure your website. You can even rely on just creating brand new um, domains or URLs for each country and each language. So each of them have pros and cons. There's a helpful resource uh, available at Google Developers that you can uh, take a look at, uh, but I will try to explain some of the basic ideas. So one approach is going for the country-specific domains like uh, the one that I mentioned at the beginning, you can say examplewebsite.de, and that will be a dedicated website just for Germany. That will be in German. Uh, and if you, for whatever reason, are gonna have different languages inside that one, then you probably are gonna to rely on either folders or subdomains within that one. So some of the advantages is that there's clearly a, a a clear geo target in that one. When you use something like .de or .mx, for example, for Mexico, there's no confusion about the type of content that you will have. And if the country have a, a main language, there's no confusion about the language. So it's very specific, and that's easy to spot for both users and search engines. You can actually target that or set it up in the search console. Um, it's very easy to separate websites. So you have a huge team or multiple people working on the different versions of the website. It's pretty convenient that um, you are able to dedicate a website and so the team works on that one and nobody you know, um, have issues with content being changed without the other team noticing. Um, so, that's sort of the great things about it. Obviously, there are some uh, cons or problems with that. Uh, the main one is that if you have a lot of countries, then it can become quite expensive because you will have to have a dedicated hosting uh, for that website and therefore accesses. And if there's any change that you want to implement across the different versions, then you have you will have to replicate that change across all the different versions that are being hosted. Probably you will pay more fees in in, in general because you will have you will have a greater or larger structure to maintain. So uh, keep those in mind. Um, this, this this structure probably works best when you have a very large company, a very large team that can manage all that complexity in a decentralized manner. A manner, sorry. Now, uh, the other possibility is that you go for subdomains. So, in this example, uh, taking again that Germany example, you have DE, but instead of using it as a 
the URL at the end, you put it as a subdomain at the beginning. So it will be de.exampleside.com. So for each country or language, you would use a subdomain. So one of the advantages, obviously, is that it's easy to implement. So you, you will not have multiple subdomains like the country-specific example. Uh, you will have just one domain, and for each of the language and or countries, you will use just a subdomain. So it's easy to set up. You still have the ability to, for that whole website, um, set up like a search console geotargeting version of it. And it's pretty easy also in the analytics to delineate it because it behaves a little bit like a separate website. Um, you will have different locations and all. Uh, however, still, um, in, depending on that situation, you will have to manage different websites or different hostings because you have it on a different or a separate subdomain. Depends on the CMS that you might be using. There are some uh, CMS that will allow you to uh, put all those different variations into just one hosting experience. experience. Uh, but still, um, you will have some complexity, just like in the specific subdomain. The only thing that you will be saving yourself from is the complexity of the domains themselves. Um, the other challenge is that some users might have an issue with the subdomain at the beginning, because we are so used to just www dot or not using a subdomain at all and just using the root domain to find a website. So that's not that common. That combination is not that common. I don't see it quite often. Um, and finally, the uh, last alternative, the one that I see probably the most and probably the one that I feel more comfortable with and recommend the most is using just subdirectories uh, sub or subfolders to organize the content. So going back again to that example, if you have examplesite.com, then you just make a subfolder um, slash de slash. So that way will be a subfolder and you can organize that into, for example, if you have a country with two languages, then within that subfolder, you create another one for each of the variations of the languages. Or you just put the language as a subfolder too, like ES, um, for example, or FR. So again, uh, one of the benefits of this combination is that it's quite easy to set up because you only have one domain. Um, and and this, this usually also include to um, just having one hosting because in this case, the pages are just organized by the subfolder that they pertain to. You can still use uh, Search Console geotargeting because you have a specific location as long as you are consistent with that experience of putting just the same kind of pages inside that subfolder. Uh, requires definitely low man lower maintenance because you have just one implementation. Um, however, um, Separation is something that is you might struggle with a little bit, especially if the or the team is not organized. If someone forgets to create a page under the right so folder structure, and so it requires a little bit more of organization and coordination within the team to make it work. However, I think in general it offers the the best experience available for uh, the users from all the other options for sure. Right. Uh, one last option that I have, you know, I don't see as often, but it's, I know it's around there, is using, you know, URL parameters uh, like lock equal to D. That one, uh, I don't recommend it at all. 
um, because you know you will have then problems maybe indexing and user recognizing the target and the country. So it's better to set up the structure not in a dynamic way, but actual static way um, in the in the form of folders and you know static URLs with where you don't have to figure out how to type it using a special parameters to get there. So it's also for sharing is um, not that good. Now, uh, about some of the tips that I can share with you about the user experience, right? Um, some of the things that you can do to make sure that your implementation works best once you have set up or decided what structure to use. So um, some things that are important to, to remember is that you got to make sure that you cross-link or um, each of the language versions, right? You find a way, and it depends on the tool or the CMS, where if you are in the English version and someone wants to look at the Italian version, they can click on something and go to the related page. So you do that uh, for the user in the form of a little icon that shows you the available languages for the page that you're looking for, or in the form of a flag if you are organizing it by country, of course. But you also do it internally, right? You set up the metadata required for the search engines to know all the different versions um, of the website. So, so Google can also organize the content and serve the right page most of the times the, to the right user depending on where it's searching for, right? Uh, another important thing is that don't rely only on you know cookies or browsing settings to adjust the content of the page. I have seen this sometimes where you know people instead of just offering options and letting the user select the language and country they want to look at the content at, they rely uh, uh, with cookies or or browser settings to define the default. And the challenge with that is usually that most users do not change the default settings for language. Um, unless they, for whatever reason, they need something special. So you end up in a situation where the, most people have just English, for example, even when it's not their primary language. And you are offering constantly the English version when probably the Spanish or uh, German or French version will be better. So keep that in mind. Obviously, avoid uh, redirecting people uh, to the perceived language precisely for that look, for that reason. Um, another important one is that don't rely on just automatic translations for any of the content that you're creating. It's a good start, but there are definitely nuances on even, even you know, for, for uh, areas like might look like the content will look the same. Like, for example, if you look Latin America uh, and you think, well, everything is going to be in Spanish, there are little nuances, not just on the words, but in the intent and culture, cultural clues that you need to remember and that usually a translator will be best to just uh, copy-proof all the content that you have created. And that way, uh, it doesn't look like just a machine created it. Uh, another important aspect, especially when you're creating multi-regional sites, is that you should consider if beyond the words, beyond the copy, you need to do changes on color or the layout, or if there are some design preferences or practices that are relevant to the country or the culture that you are trying to show up your website. So don't think only on terms of the content itself 
and the fact that definitely you will need a translation to be performed. Also think about the social cues, the cultural cues that might be relevant for your website. Even layout um, might change depending on how people usually consume content on a specific country. Right, so very important aspects to consider when you are implementing those websites, uh, especially for multi-regional ones. Um, now, there are some tips also that are important, not just for the user, but also for Google itself and for any other search engine, right? It's not just for Google, but in general, you want to um, keep you know, both content and navigation text uh, in the same language. So that will also improve um, user experience, but it helps Google to understand the relationship with the language, um, right? So you, you want to make sure that your menu reflects the, the language that you are showing up instead of having a you know, one language menu and content in different languages because Google relies a lot in the content itself, not just the cues on the URL to determine what will be the best language for to describe this the particular page and match it to the searcher, right? Um, obviously, another important one is that if you can use the define uh, country codes and the define language codes, then it's easier to classify it. Don't 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 forget about that. Um, in terms of, you know, when you're doing journal translation, it's important still that if you're going to optimize for SEO, that you look for the search terms that are relevant in that language. Sometimes even when you do the right translation, that is not the way or that is, there's not the phrases that the users typically search for the things that or the products or services that your company might be offering. So... Uh, just as important as it is that you have a human translating the content, then when you are optimizing for SEO, it's important that you also uh, rely on someone that knows how to do SEO in that particular country or that particular language uh, because the words or the phrases are going to be different from the original intention of the context of the of the text that you have there. Um, another important thing, obviously, a signal that is important is that if you can um, um, serve the content, uh, you know, to a location that is closer to the user. Nowadays, that's you know easier than in the past. In the past, you required to define your hosting or you know depending on the location they weren't showing up right now or nowadays with the use of the CDNs, um, it's possible to just let the machines decide where will be the best source. But just consider that when, when you are doing a multi-regional uh, website that the different versions are served as close as possible to the user, right? Um, so those are important things to consider. Now, um, um, one last piece of uh, information that I want to share with you are some of the, you know, of the reasons why creating multilingual and multi-regional sites matter uh, if your company um, has uh, an international market, right? And you might say, well, with English, we're okay. We, we, um, we can cover most of our users. So it's important to remember that, for example, right now, uh, most of the websites are are in English. Sixty percent of them of all the websites in the internet are in English. 
Um, but the majority of the users of the internet users do not speak English. So it's relevant to um, create versions versions of them that cater to those users and that you know they can they can consume the content in their own language. So um, really important to think about that. My recommendation on where to start if you are exploring this idea is that I, I recommend to first start with languages, right? If you if you have to choose between the two ideas, start with languages, go maybe for the second language where, where most of users are coming from, and you can get that information from your Google Analytics and set up the second language, maybe a third or a fifth language. And once you have a, a good chunk of the languages captured, you can explore the next level of the idea, which is the countries, right? Uh, usually in that case, you will go to your primary language, like English, if that's your case, and then look for the countries where you can do some customizations to the website and obviously adapt the, the, the content to that specific location to even cater um, you know, in a deeper way to your potential audience. Like, for example, in the US, usual targets are the UK and Canada and maybe Australia. So same language, but you break down the experience to cater to those particular locations to improve your presence. One key idea behind this is that you need to remember your sales theme on those efforts. If you are going to start making a, you know, the effort of having a presence on a particular country or a particular language, you want to make sure that the experience after someone fills a form or pick up the phone or start a chat conversation is backed by the organization, right? You want to have native speakers if you're going to four languages, or you want to have sales support on those countries if you're going for countries. So think about that, it's really important. So it's not that you just have content in that language and that's it, or you have content in that country and that's it. You have to back it up by your sales team and support team to make the experience really relevant for your users. So um, that's all that I have for today. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions or, or, or you know, comments on this or any other of the episodes, feel free to reach out. I'm mostly active on LinkedIn. If you like this episode and you find it useful, share it with anyone that you think might be interested. I will deeply appreciate it. And subscribe to any of the social media channels or our email uh, list so you can get more content in the future episodes. It's been a pleasure and um, have a great day. Bye-bye.